you'll turn with me in your Bibles to Psalm 42. As we continue our study in the book of Psalms, this is a transition Sunday. We'll be taking a break from our study in the book of Psalms during the month of December and begin to focus upon the birth of Christ. I'm planning a series of sermons for December on gospel lessons from Christmas. I'll have Mason help me some, and we'll be dealing with uh, various Christmas situations and circumstances, drawing gospel lessons from them. It'll begin next Lord's Day. But today we're in Psalm 42. This is God's Word. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, Where is your God? These things I remember and pour out my soul within me, for I used to go along with the throng and, and lead them in procession to the house of God with the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. O my God, my soul is in despair within me. Therefore I remember you from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon from Mount Mizar. Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. And his song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries reviled me. While they say to me all day long, Where is your God? Why are you in despair, O my soul? And why have you become disturbed within me? Hope in God, for I shall yet praise him. The help of my countenance and my God. Again, that is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, we ask now again for your blessing upon our time together in your word. And we know that you are the divine teacher. And unless you teach, we will not be taught. Unless you instruct, we will not learn. Unless you enable us to see beyond the words themselves, the spiritual meaning behind them, we will not profit. And so we pray, O oh God, that you would open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive this your word, that your Holy Spirit truly might help us to gain insight into its message. We might profit from it and be blessed by it. We ask it all in Jesus' name. Amen. Depression is a very common problem. Countless thousands of people struggle with it every day. Some of the most notable people in history have struggled with depression. Winston Churchill struggled with it so mightily. He described it as a black dog that pursued him. 
Abraham Lincoln, one of our most beloved presidents, was plagued by severe bouts of depression. Christians are not immune from it. Charles Spurgeon, one of the greatest preachers the world has ever known, had a long battle with depression caused by a physical ailment from which he suffered. I don't know of anyone who loved the Lord more than my mother did. My mother was a manic depressive. She would go from being on such a high that she could tackle the world. And there was no problem too big for her to handle. To going to times where she struggled just to get out of bed in the morning. Much less to perform her daily tasks because of this dark cloud of depression that enveloped her. I'm sure there are many of you here who struggle with it. We all know the holidays are particularly difficult for those who struggle with this very real problem. Well, Psalm 42 deals with that. It deals with the struggle with depression. And many Christians really flock to this psalm because really the psalmist here bears his soul as he opens himself describing his own struggle with depression. Now, there are many things that cause it. Some people are just have the temperament, the personality, kind of a melancholy personality, or inclined or prone to depression. Loneliness can cause depression. A physical illness or a physical disability can lead people to, de- to be depressed. Fatigue, weariness can lead to depression. Stress can cause depression. Spiritual problems can cause depression. And and that really is the struggle that the psalmist here in Psalm 42 is expressing. It's a spiritual battle and a spiritual depression that he is facing. But no matter what the cause of your depression, no matter what circumstance might enhance it, the principles and the truths here we find in Psalm 42, I think, can be of great help to you. If you look at the heading, which is always helpful to do, we usually skip over them. But if you look at the heading in Psalm 42, you'll you'll see that it is described as for the choir director, a mascal of the sons of Korah. The, The Psalms are actually divided up into different books. And Psalm 42 is the first book of the second book, if you will, the first Psalm of the second book in the Psalter. Psalms 1 through 41 uh, are written primarily by David. Psalms 42 through 72, which are composed the second book, some of them are written by David, 18 of them are. But the vast majority of them are written by other authors. And eight of them are ascribed to these sons of Korah. Well, who are they? Korah was one of the Levites. And you might remember that in number 16, Korah led a rebellion of 250 men against Moses. And God was so angry with Korah and his rebellion that the ground opened up and swallowed him and fire destroyed the 250 men who had joined with him. 
in his rebellion against Moses. But we're told in Numbers 26, the sons of Korah, however, did not die. And the sons of Korah became the chief musicians in the worship of God. First in the tabernacle and then in the temple. And it was probably out of gratitude for God sparing them from his judgment. Now it is thought that this psalm was written by one of these sons of Korah. And it was designed to be a part of the worship of God. Something for the people of God to sing in corporate worship. Expressing, obviously, the heart of a godly person in a time of difficulty and distress. You notice also this, this psalm is called a mascal. We've seen that before. Uh, a mascal is a teaching tool. And so this psalm was designed to instruct the people of God on how to deal with feelings of depression. Now again, this, this psalm primarily describes someone who's going through a spiritual depression. But the causes of depression that are described here and the cures for depression for depression that are given here apply to anyone in any particular depressing situation of life. Now, you ought to know up front that I'm relying heavily today on the work of two men. I'm using James Montgomery Boyce's commentary on the Psalms and I'm using some work by John Piper. My, my sermon's going to have two uh, points today. Uh, the first is we're going to look at the causes of depression that kind of arise out of this psalm. I'm leaning heavily on the work of uh, James Montgomery Boyce and his commentary this morning. Then I'm going to look at the cures of, of, uh, of depression that we find here. And I'm leaning heavily at that point on the outline given by John Piper, just so you'll know that up front this morning. So first we're going to look at the causes of depression or what led to this man's depression, this man who wrote this psalm. And the primary cause of his depression, it's obvious as you look at this psalm, is his absence from the worship of God. Now the best speculation about the background of this psalm is that one of these temple Levites, one of these sons of Korah, is way off in northern Israel, separated from the worship of God, separated from the people of God. And because of that, he is greatly depressed or upset. It's assumed, we assume that from verse 6, what we find in verse 6, where it talks about remembering God from the land of the Jordan and the peaks of Hermon, Mount Mizar. That's in the northern part of Israel, a long ways from Jerusalem, a long way from the temple. For whatever reason, this man is far from home. As a result, he feels far from God. Just look at his sense of spiritual desperation in verses 1 and 2. As the deer pants for the water brooks, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? This man feels as though God has left him. And he can't wait. He can't wait 
to be back in God's presence again. He can't wait to be back in worship. His soul literally is expressed here is, is thirsting and panting for God like an animal that has run through the woods on a hot summer day and he can't wait to get to the river, the stream to drink. That's the way this man's soul feels in his desperate need for God. That's how badly he misses worship. You see the tabernacle, then the temple. That's where God's people met with God. He asked the question, when shall I come and appear before God? That's where they came to appear before him. This man is not able to do that. He misses it. It's the cause of his depression. Maybe a a personal question to ask this morning was, when was the last time you were depressed? Because you couldn't come to worship. When's the last time your soul became so hungry and so thirsty for God you couldn't wait to come back to worship? That's where this man is. He was separated from the worship of God. And he couldn't wait. He couldn't wait to get back. My soul, he says, pants for you as the deer pants for the water brook. Another cause of his depression is the ridicule he apparently experienced from other believers. Now again, we don't know this man's particular circumstances in detail. But it's clear he's living among unbelievers. And it appears he was going through some personal distress, some personal difficulties. And it appears these believers, these unbelievers were mocking him and mocking his God because of it. Look at verse 3. My tears have been my food day and night while they say to me, where is your God? He, so pressing on him, he expressed the same thing in verse 10 if you drop down there. As a shattering of my bones, my adversaries reviled me while they say to me all day long, where is your God? You see, this man obviously had expressed his faith. People knew of his trust in God and now he's in this time of personal difficulty and they're saying, where is your God? Isn't he your help? Isn't he your strength? You trust in him, where is he? So another cause of his depression was his memories of better days. He kept thinking about how, how much better life had been and in comparison to what it was now. Look at verse 4. These things I remember and pour out my soul within me. For I used to go along with the throng and lead them in procession to the house of God. With the voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. You see, he not only remembered the joy of being in worship, but he remembered the joy of leading in worship. I used to go along with the throng and lead them 
in the procession to the house of God with a voice of joy and thanksgiving, a multitude-keeping festival. Now, remembering the joy of worship, of course, is a very positive thing. But wistful thinking, back to the good old days, can cause your current situation to appear even worse. His memory of how good things had been made the current situation even more difficult. One more cause of his depression was the overwhelming trials of life. Those things that he was going through that just made life hard. In verse 7, he describes them as waterfalls, as breakers, and waves. It's impossible to stand under a, a tall waterfall. The, the water just comes beating down on you, almost pounding you down into the ground. You can't, it just, you can't stand up under the, the force of the water of a waterfall. I'm sure that more relevant to you and more applicable to all of us is, is trying to stand in the surf. As waves come pounding against you, they simply bowl you over, knock you over by their force. And that's the way the psalmist is describing his, his current situation. It's like his problems are just pouring down on his head. They, they keep wafting over him like wave after wave. And as soon as he thinks he's through one problem and is about to stand on his feet, here comes another one. And that's the way life is many times, isn't it? I have people call me and say, it's just one thing after another. Please pray for me. I think I'm through with one situation and here comes something else. His problems were like the waterfall pounding down on his head, like the waves that kept knocking him over time and time again. The reality of hard times can be a cause of our depression. But this psalm doesn't stop there. This psalmist doesn't stop with just expressing the causes, his difficulties that brought about his depression. It's clear all the way through this psalm, he is trying his best to work through it. He's trying his hardest to deal with it. And you know, to do that, you have to, you have to identify the cause. If you're going to deal with your depression, you've got to come to some understanding of what's causing it. Then you've also got to move past that to, to understand what can cure it, what can help you overcome it, what can help you deal with it. And the psalmist finds some of those cures. He expresses them in this song. One cure is simply to be honest with God. Folks, a time of depression is no time to hide your feelings from God. I pointed out earlier that because of his absence from worship, this man felt like God had left him. As a result of being excluded from worship, he felt excluded from God. And so he's honest with God about it. In verse 9, he says this, I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? 
Why do I go mourning because of the oppression of the enemy? Now, that, that word forgotten is probably something of an overstatement. We're all inclined to do that from time to time, aren't we? Just kind of make overstatements, especially when we're going through difficult times. This man knew in his heart God hadn't forgotten him. But it felt like God had forgotten him. You know, one of the goals of sanctification is to make sure that our feelings are dictated by our knowledge. But when we're going through a difficult time, it's so easy, isn't it, to become emotional? To let our emotions run wild with us. To allow our emotions to make our decisions for us. To make emotionally based decisions rather than factually based decisions upon what we know to be true in the Word of God. You see, there was a disconnect here in this man. Look back at verse 8, for example. He just said, The Lord will command His loving kindness in the daytime. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. That's what he knew to be true. But then he turns around in the very next verse and says to God, Why have you forgotten me? There was a disconnect between his knowledge and his emotions. Between what he knew to be true and what he felt. Our knowledge of the truth should always determine how we feel in every situation. But, but the man's honest here, isn't he? He feels like God's forgotten him. And so he comes to God and says, why? Why am I in this situation? Why am I in this circumstance? Why have you forgotten me? Why have you left me here in the land of the Jordan on Mount Mizar to be by myself? He's honest. Folks, you can't deal with your depression until you're honest. Honest with God about exactly the way you feel. Another cure we see here is he affirms God's sovereignty. I want you to take you back to verse 7. You know, we talked about the waterfall and we talked about the waves, the breakers and the waves. But I want you to notice the way in which this man describes them. He says in verse 7, Deep calls to deep at the sound of your waterfalls, speaking of God. All your breakers and your waves have rolled over me. Waterfall, the breakers, the waves, the difficulties, the problems, the trials of life. And the psalmist is saying, oh God, these are your waterfalls. They're your breakers. They're your waves. He's acknowledging that his circumstance is his because of the sovereign hand of God. What a difference that makes, doesn't it? You know, if you really believe that your problems are just due to a string of bad luck or because of something to do with your horoscope 
or just because of blind faith. Your hole is going to be deep and your hole is going to be dark. And it's going to be real hard to find your way out of it. But if you realize that where you are is, is God's doing, that the difficulties you're facing today are trials He has brought into your life, and the waves that keep billowing over your soul is because of His activity in your life to accomplish His purpose in your life. It changes everything, doesn't it? Instead of being dark and bleak, we realize there's some light at the end of the tunnel. There's another cure we see here. That is simply to give, give God praise in all things. I want to take you back to verse 8. I made reference to it earlier. He says this in the midst of his trials. The Lord will command his loving kindness in the daytime. His song will be with me in the night. A prayer to the God of my life. In the midst of his difficulties, he remembered the loving kindness of the Lord. And he said, day and night, God is going to command his loving kindness to be with me. You know, God has promised never to leave us, never to forsake us. Paul says there's nothing that can separate us from the love of Christ. And he goes through a long list of things. Nothing can separate us from the love of Christ in this Man, in this midst of this difficulty which he's facing, he says, I'm going to remember in the daytime and I'm going to remember in the night God's loving kindness. And he praised him for it. You see, his song was a song of faith, not a song of feeling. And yet there's another cure we see here, and that is to preach to your own soul. It's obvious throughout this psalm, this man is talking to himself. He's preaching the gospel to himself. I mentioned a moment ago that he was honest with God. Why have you forsaken me? He's also honest with himself. Look at verse 5. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? He's asking himself, why? Why have you let yourself get this way? Then he goes on to admonish himself, hope in God, for I shall again praise him for the help of his presence. He says the same thing at the end of the psalm, verse 11. Why are you in despair, O my soul? Why have you become disturbed within me? He's asking himself that honest question, Why? Why have you allowed yourself to get in this dark place? Then he admonishes himself again, hope in God, for I shall yet praise him, the help of my countenance and my God. Some of you may be familiar with a book written probably half a century ago now by D. Martin Lloyd-Jones, simply entitled Spiritual Depression. And it's a whole book that deals with the whole matter of, of depression in the life of a Christian. 
And in that book, Lloyd-Jones says this. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself? Think about that. Have you realized that most of your unhappiness in life is due to the fact that you are listening to yourself instead of talking to yourself, allowing your emotions to dictate how you feel instead of telling yourself the truth of God's Word to acknowledge what God says? There's one more cure. And that is to remember God. Look at what this man says in verse 6. Oh my God, my soul is in despair within me. Again, that's a very honest assessment of his situation. My soul is in despair within me. And then he says, therefore, I remember you. Think about that. In the midst of his despair and his despondency, this man says, But God, I remember you. What's he saying? He says, I remember who you are. I remember what you are like. You see, the more you know about God, the more you understand of the character of God, the easier it will be for you to remember him in your times of difficulty and trouble when you are in that dark place and inclined to become depressed, when you're in that situation and circumstance, remember God. Remember who He is. Remember Him as He revealed Himself to Moses back in Exodus chapter 34. This is how God revealed Himself to Moses, Exodus 34, 6 and 7. says, The Lord passed by in front of Moses, and proclaim the Lord, the Lord God, compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in loving kindness and truth, who keeps loving kindness for thousands, who forgives iniquity, transgression, and sin. That's who God is. But more important than that, remember God as He's revealed to us in the person of Jesus Christ. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 1 that Jesus is the radiance of His glory, the exact representation of His nature. Jesus said in John 14, If you've seen Me, you've seen the Father. Paul said in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, when we come to Christ, we see the light of the gospel in the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. When you look at the face of Christ, you see the face of God. Remember Him. Remember who He is. Remember His loving kindness. Remember His faithfulness. Remember His compassion. Remember His promises never to leave you nor forsake you. When you're in the dark place, be like the psalmist. Remember 
God. I want you to notice as we conclude, again, the admonitions the psalmist gave to himself at the end of verse 5 and the end of verse 11. In both places, he says, Hope in God, for I shall again praise Him for the help of His presence. Verse 11, Hope in God, for I shall yet praise Him, the help of my countenance and my God. If you're facing depression today, folks, if you're inclined to depression, it's a pattern of life. You're in a dark place this morning. I want you to take those two words home with you today. The words hope and the words help. There is hope. There is hope for you. There's hope because of who God is and because of Christ and His work on your behalf. There's hope. Don't lose hope. I don't care how dark the place, how deep the well. Remember, there is hope. And there's help. I know when you're depressed, sometimes you think you just can't work your way out of it. There's medicine that can help. My mother took medicine to help. But God says, He gives help. My countenance and my God he will help. We read from Psalm 14 or from John 14 earlier about the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. And the Bible says the Holy Spirit is our helper. He is our comforter. And when you're in the dark place of life, the Holy Spirit comes alongside you. That's what the word comforter means, to come alongside of. He comes alongside you to comfort you and to be your helper, to help you. And the primary way He helps you is by pointing you away from yourself and onto Christ. Folks, He is both the hope and help. Be honest about your situation in life. If you're depressed this morning, don't try to hide it. Be honest with God. Ask the hard questions. Why have you abandoned me? Why am I like this? Why am I in this situation? Examine the various cures that might be yours causing your depression. And then look at the cure that the Bible gives. Remember God and that Jesus Christ is your hope and your help. Let's pray. Lord God, we pray today. I pray today for all those right here in this room who are in a battle who feel like they're in the dark place, whose depression at times seems to overwhelm them. Father, I pray that today they would see that there really is hope and there's help. 
Father, thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for him asking you to send the Holy Spirit to be our comforter and our helper. And I pray he would be that for us today. That the Lord Jesus Christ, through the ministry of the Holy Spirit, would encourage all of us, no matter where we are in life or what we're facing, be our encouragement as you're our hope and our help today. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen.